Brought to you by Link Senior, a resident engagement platform. Because old people are cool and senior living is hashtag activity strong. Hello and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast, where we interview experts on innovation in senior living and the business of aging well. I'm your host, Nancy Griffin, and I'm so pleased to be here today with Angie McAllister, Spark Performance League Commissioner at LifeSpark. Welcome to the program, Angie. Well, thank you, Nancy. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to get to chat with you today. Well, thank you. Me too. I'm interested so much in LifeSpark and your background. So let's start there. Tell us about your background. Okay, sure. Well, um, actually, what a lot of people don't know, and I just love to share, is that I actually started in senior living as a CNA um, way back in 1995. And so just really fell in love with the elders and wanted to do more, right? Wanted to do more to promote person-centered care in this space. And so um, just had the privilege to go on to be an activities director and then um, worked for Signature Healthcare. It's a skilled nursing company based out of Louisville, Kentucky um, for 15 years, leading cultural transformation and quality of life. And that was so great. Um, During the pandemic, I decided I wanted to get back to the front line. So I went and sat as a nursing home administrator in a community here in my hometown and served in that capacity and just really learned a lot um, before coming over here to LifeSpark. So I think that's the short version um, of of what I've been up to for the past 40 some years. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're obviously steeped, (laughs) steeped in the industry and uh, on many, many facets. So Tell us about uh, LifeSpark and what you do there. I came to LifeSpark in August of 22. And so really for me, it was just an opportunity to grow and step in, I think, into my own purpose a bit more and just what I really believed in. Um, You know, simply put, LifeSpark is a complete senior health company. And so that makes us a little bit unique in that we help people stay healthy at home. Then we help them navigate what all their options are so that they have confidence. And ultimately, we're helping people live fuller and more independent lives. And so that was really what attracted me um, to LifeSpark to begin with is really that belief that nothing should stop seniors from doing the things they love. Um, So helping them do what they love, be with the people they love to be with and really an ultimate vision of supporting them so they can age magnificently. And does it get any better than that, Nancy? Because I don't think it does. <laughs> well, I mean, how could you have a company named LifeSpark when it's not, right? Right. It it's doesn't sound like a word. <laughs> exactly. So um, your role as the Spark Performance League <laughs> Commissioner, what is it that you do? Wow. So this is fun. My row. So I get asked that a lot. Actually, I was on with Susan Ryan earlier this morning and she was like, tell me about your role again. And I said, you know, um, here's here's what I'm doing right now. I'm working with um, Dr. Bill Thomas, you know, just a great friend and mentor here to create what we perceive to be America's first athletic league in senior living. And so um, actually my role is is kind of twofold. I'm commissioning this athletic league um, with Nancy, real teams, um, real competitions and real prizes. And so, you know, it's, it's a little bit 
unheard of in this industry, you know, where we've come from the days of bingo prizes being little Debbie cakes or something insane. Um, but actually, you know, the elders are forming teams. They're, they're in the middle of a triathlon right now. And so they're competing head to head, um, earning miles um, in a triathlon for the next six weeks. And the top prizes are top prizes that they'll win as a team for their community. So it's it's really exciting. It's really exciting. Tell me, I, what Angie, um, there's something to do with dump trucks, right? <laughs> so forklifts, forklifts, oh my gosh. And you okay. know, that is awesome. So that's coming up in spring. That starts in April and that's our National Forklift Racing League. And actually what they'll do is these teams will work strategically. They have forklift racing arenas that they build in their communities and they're going to use remote control forklifts and they'll work as a team to see who can stack the most poundage onto a set of scales within a time limit and you know i don't know if you happen to have ever operated a remote control forklift nancy no <laughs> but um it's not easy and there's a lot of strategy behind that that you know, it kind of, um, it, it's the underlying thought that we're teaching communities and resilience and that really um, a quote from Dr. Bill that I love is aging's a team sport, right? And we all have to show up to play it, you know, for it to be well. And so um, that's what that's what we're teaching teams throughout these competitions is, you know, this is a team sport and we have to work together and figure out the best way forward, Nancy, which is just such a beautiful thought. Well, I'm so glad to have you on the show, Angie, because now I really get the Performance League Commissioner <laughs> title. Isn't like, it great? <laughs> it's so great. And um, Dr. Bill Thomas is obviously one of the founders of the entire movement towards positive aging. And he um, he has the the mind to create the best model. So when you look at the, the standard, and I, I hate the word, but institutional model of senior living, Yes. Um, what are some of the biggest um, challenges to enabling purpose and belonging? Well, you know, I think it's a combination of things. And I think, you know, one of the things is what I just talked about, about things being real. Right. So you, you have to make it real. And um, I think it's so easy to fall into this trap um, back to your your what you just said about the institutional model of we can't do that because of this. For example, too many regulatory challenges or you can insert any word in there. Financial challenges, clinical challenges, staffing challenges. Um, you know, there's always going to be those challenges. But one of the biggest challenges I see in, in sometimes working with people in senior living is that they don't always see the big picture. And that's that all of us, regardless of setbacks, right, we want to live a life that we feel is purposeful and connecting with the seniors that are living there and helping them to understand. I mean, we've seen and taught many years on culture change, Nancy. I mean, we, we've been here for years doing this work together. And I think ultimately, until we see leaders in the field really taking the time to educate on the why so that people understand why it's important and why these process changes are needed. I fear, we're, you know, we're going to remain in this vicious cycle of always wanting to change, but never quite, never quite making that change. And, you know, something else that I've learned over time, and I think this comes 
from my background as an activities director is um, I always fell into this trap that it was my job to create purpose in people's lives, right? Like this, this is my job. This is what I do. And I think it took a perspective change for me to recognize that it wasn't my job as a leader um, to do that, but it was my responsibility to create an environment where that culture and that community and that belonging can happen freely. And I think that paradigm shift is needed so that people understand, you know, it's not it's not your job, but it's it's your it's your responsibility, it's your obligation to have a community, you know, where these things can happen, Nancy. Um, and then I just say too, we are still working in so many silos of this industry and having to learn to communicate better and lean on each other. And we don't do that well in senior living. And I don't understand why. Um, it doesn't lessen independence when we learn that in true communities, we're very interdependent, right? We need each other. We really need each other. And in order to build communities where that growth can happen daily, we have to act with more intention and focus versus the attitude of whatever happens today happens. Um, you know, we just we got to get out of the reactive space, right? And expect strength, purpose, and belonging. We have it has to be an intention, you know, it has to be an expected expectance from us. So I guess that's my two cents on it. I mean, there's just so many challenges, but I think it really just boils down to this understanding that belonging is just less of me and more of we. And and that's really the basis for how to build communities that are thriving. So true, Angie. And having done more than 120 episodes of the show and coming from Spawn Wellness, where it's primarily a female industry, we mm-hmm. all help each other. We all get along. And I, I founded SeniorTrade.com because no one in the industry would share my podcast. They would actually leave it off on purpose. Uh. Um, and so <clears throat> I really get it. And some of the, I, I, um, I've had a very female-dominated a perspective, I think, with the things that I talk about in my podcast, 80% of the listeners are female. But then I see people yeah. like Dr. Thomas and Bob Kramer who have smart women are all around them right. and respect Absolutely. them and their opinions and are really driving this progressive inner innovation. So, uh, you know, I think you answered the, the question that I was going to ask you next, which is about this incremental change versus transformational change. I mean, I think we both agree that incremental is not going to work. Yeah, you know, and it's not. And it's really such a loaded question when you think about it, because we've seen incremental change for years, right? I mean, that's that's where we've been. That's where we've been my entire career as well. You know, we'll make this change. And then we also saw such a backward motion during the pandemic that truly was mind-blowing at how quickly we could go back. Even the best communities that had the best practices, you know, took such a setback into institutional ways. And I think that that escalated in my mind, again, you know, just how urgent the need was for change in this industry. And I think, too, that we can consider that one of the reasons that change is slow in in the space it's because all of our systems are connected and i've always taught it this way you know if this example is if if one change is made it cascades to every other system right because all the systems in a you know one senior living community are interconnected it's like a web and so 
you know, I think teams get overwhelmed. They realize there are a lot of changes that need to be made, things that need to happen. And it's really why most teams give up. I can remember a CEO telling me once, it's too hard to do this. And I will never forget that defeatist attitude, um, you know, of having just from the top leader, this is too hard. And I've done a lot of work with the Eden Alternative over the years. And I'm currently, um, actually, I I didn't mention this, but um, just elected the new board chair for the Eden Alternative. Oh, fabulous. And <laughs> yes. along with Sarah Thomas as well. You, yeah. Yes, you, you heard it here first. Oh, <laughs> so great. Hasn't, we haven't announced that yet. And so, you know, one of the things that I've learned through my work with the Eden Alternative is that personal transformation has to take place. You know, that that has to happen. And the people in the space have to recognize and understand the needs and why. And they have to have, you know, what I would equate to having those blinders lifted off and really see things for what they are. And, you know, when that happens, we can really start to see that that's a foundation that's going to really be important to move true change forward, right? Um, You know, the other thing that I I stick to, I always stick to, is that relational trust is it's got to be there to make make these big changes that we want to make. Relationships, wow, they really move forward at the level that we trust each other. So if you see change happening in an organization, you can definitely look and say, that team trusts each other and they're spurring innovation. They're driving the leadership. You know, they're doing all of the right things to be able to grow and improve. And so it's really an indicator, I think, of the relational trust that's in an organization by the by the innovation that you see taking place there. That couldn't be more correct and profound. I mean, it really is true. And I, and I met Jill Vitale awesome early on because we both went to Cornell Hotel School and same graduate program. And, and then I read her book, um, mm-hmm. Disrupting the Status Quo of Senior Living, A Mind Shift. And it literally was a mind shift for me. Uh, it was like all the issues that that you struggle with inside senior living um, are, are very complicated and layered. Um, and uh, one of those is healthcare and um, housing as, as they relate to each other. <clears throat> and then the whole wellness piece of that, you know, before you need healthcare and how they all connect. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, senior living has sowed hospitality, I think for years now, right? But I think the approach that we're beginning to see is, is more towards engagement. And helping people to live a life that really suits their needs. So, you know, I think what we're going to see happening with this relationship is that movement to to smaller communities, you know, nestled into smaller homes. And and that approach really is wide open for innovation, which is so exciting, especially when you have an innovator mindset like we do. Um, You know, I think we're going to see more innovations in home care. So that, that just really enables seniors to stay in their homes as they age 
with all the things they need. Could you imagine, you know, just being able to stay in a place with everything you needed and to to have that independence and autonomy, you know, as long as you possibly can. And so that's that's really, I think, what we're seeing. I think we've seen Dr. Thomas and Bob Kramer both predicted, you know, us moving to this model for a while now. And, and I believe we're going to see it. The most important side of care is going to be people's homes. And that's, that's just, you know, I think that's the push that we're moving towards right now. And, you know, I think it couldn't be more exciting. It couldn't be more exciting for me to to see that finally happening. So, oh, that that's so true. I have um, Matt Thornhill on my advisory board who has cozy home communities. Uh-huh. Uh, he's just in the middle of uh, actually developing his first real live community. But I just loved his model because uh, it it was for the middle market and um, there are just small homes that are adjacent to each other, like-minded people joined together. For me, I'm like, someday I want to live in the equestrian cozy home community (laughs) where I have (laughs) like-minded people with the horses. But I I loved also that volunteering was part of the program and that was the, the thing that made it affordable is that you showed up and it was true citizenship because you really were part of the community, whether you were helping with the books or helping um, change out a light bulb or cook or whatever that may be. I really think that you're right, that there are these these housing models that are going to happen. So how do you see the progression of wellness services to healthcare services integrating with these new models of housing? Well, I think what I think what we're going to see is, um, you know, everything old becomes new again. And if we look into the past of where families lived closer together and you see more of those multi-generational concepts, I think I think that's probably where we're going to be heading is more into more multi-generational neighborhoods that are intentional. Right. That it's more intentional that people of different ages and abilities are going to live together. And, you know, that idea of being a good neighbor of intentional neighbors that um that we've we've heard so much about is i think that it's going to spring forward again and so i think that's really exciting as we see history begin to repeat itself and people's taking a step back and realizing you know what are the things that really matter the most to me as a person it's the relationships it's it's the ability to do what i want on my own terms right and so like like you said you know if you want to be with horses, you have that ability if I want to garden. And maybe my strength and my reserve capacity is is just enough so that I can do gardening or I can go on a walk every day with my best friend. And so that's true wellness, right? It doesn't mean I have to run a marathon today. I don't I don't have to be a marathon runner, Nancy, unless I want to be. But if I can get out and have that walk in the park three days a week with my best friend, that's that is personal to me that, you know, that makes me feel whole and complete. And those are the things that matter. And I think we're going to see a return to, to those types of things where it's not so scheduled, but it's more about what is in the, the rhythm of life for each individual and, and how do we bring those rhythms together to create intentional communities that support all of those things. Angie, that I love that. It, it's so true. And uh, for me, I've never been what you would call like a joiner, if you will. And so mm-hmm. I know that if I was in an assisted living facility, 
um, that I wouldn't want to be told what to do and programmed and that I probably would rebel against that if I was. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Please never make me play bingo. I mean, I can't. I don't want to and I can't do it. And I mean, you know, it's that, it's that same concept. We all have things that we that we spend our time with, but we do it on our on our time the way that we want. Right. We don't we don't do it according to the schedule that's given to us. And so, you know, I think I think that's the unlearning that has to be done in the senior living space to make room for what's coming. Well, I'm going to slip in a little um, question about the activity director role because uh, Linked Senior is our partner this season, and I've been doing a deep dive into that position and role and understanding Uh how incredibly hard it must have been during the pandemic. Like, I can't even imagine the depth (laughs) of a struggle and challenges, um, having to deliver, you know, the, if going from groups to, to individual rooms and hallways, et cetera. Uh, but what is your feeling on that position of activity director and how it will morph and change in the next say decade? Yeah. And, you know, I think that that position probably will change some into, you know, how are we supporting people where they are and where they want to be? So it becomes more of a, uh, you know, a life, a life transition position or something like that. So if you just take the, the director pieces off of it and having, having worked in this field for years and years and years, um, you know, it becomes more of a community building position. And how are we helping to, to create and oversee the the community things, right? And you're so right. Um, you know, when you think about activity directors and the heart that activity directors have for the elders, and really at the end of the day, just want people to live purposeful lives and work so hard to bring that and just the amount of trauma, you know, that they've been through. And, and I will say too, a lot of people in activity director positions feeling an amount of a certain degree of failure during the pandemic, because I think then was when the tree was, you know, we've always known in, in this profession that we never be able to do all of the things that were expected, right? Because it's it's not even feasible. But I think during the pandemic, activity directors really feeling and seeing for the first time oh, I really am not, I have no control over this. And, you know, really banding together to, to do the best they could. And I think that's that's what we saw out of these, these professionals who give so much, right? Really are the heart of the community and, you know, really under acknowledged for the work that they've done um, in this profession. So I hope to see a spotlight for sure. And Charles and Link Senior have done a great job just really spotlighting this profession and show, you know, helping to support and show up for for the people here. So, oh yes, I, I completely agree, and I'm in love with all these people that I'm talking to. It's like you, you really I mean just the the energy that they bring into or that they must bring into a room. I'm sure that they light up so many people's day on a regular basis. I can I can't even imagine. Yes. Uh, but inside of a lot of these communities, especially the non-progressive ones, um, there's a lot of internal ageism within our um, industry. I'm saying our, <laughs> as if I'm in the senior living industry, but inside and outside, obviously, you and I are both on a mission to expose the realities of these biases and stereotypes. So um, what are your thoughts on this, Angie? 
Yeah, so I just want to share this little parable, and I love this. Um, I heard Dr. Bill say this, and it really stuck with me. And so there are two young fish swimming along, right? They happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way, who nods up at them and says, Morning, boys, how's the water? The two young fish swim on for a bit. One of them looks over at the other and says, what the hell is water? And, you know, ageism is kind of like that, Nancy. So really think about that. We're swimming in it every single day, but because it has surrounded us since our birth, we don't recognize it for what it really is. It's really hard to see. And I think what's been what's been baffling for me, even in my current role in working with seniors in our communities, we just finished at the end of the year a 10-week um, session with the seniors in our communities on ageism ageism and dismantling it and recognizing it in your lives. And, you know, I think it was eye opening for me to to hear from them how they never really saw that as ageism until they saw it as ageism. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so, you know, it, it begins with us. Right. We have to take that look inside ourselves and confront the feelings that we have about aging. And that's tough for, for most people. It's tough to get there sometimes. And I I don't know, I just really think that's the only way that we're going to be able to build a new belief about what does it mean to grow old? And it's not getting old, it's growing old, right? It's growing old. And I think once we achieve that, we'll we'll successfully be able to challenge the ageism that we see around us. But I think that it's going to take some work and it's going to take some time to disable those myths around aging that are so prevalent in our society today. What do you think? I yes, a hundred percent. And I think the intergenerational piece that you brought up earlier is really key to that because the young generation, when they see that all these things that that they're hearing as these stereotypes are not true because they're seeing how older adults are living really fruitful lives, then I think that'll right. that'll go a long way to changing future generations anyway. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think that really is the key. The more that we can bring generations together and they can understand what that interconnectedness is and and the things that they share and that the differences aren't as vast as what they may think they are. You know, that at the very basis of it, we're we're all human and we we're living in different experiences and phases of our lives and really understanding. And you know, I I grew up, I grew up with um, my being very close to my grandmother and really seeing her hit ageism, you know, straight on at that time, it was unheard of that people, you know, went back to school, you know, as non-traditional students. And she was like, oh, I'm going to go get this degree, you know, and I was, I can remember just being in grade school and being so proud and telling people, well, my grandmother's in school getting another degree. And, and they were just like, you know, what? And so <laughs> what? But she just had this, you know, this innate ability to to teach and tell people, oh, you can do whatever you want. You know, you it's your life and, and you have that ability to, to move through your life however you want to move through it all the way up until you can't move through it anymore. And that stuck with me, Nancy. It really did over the years. And I think it's really shaped, you know, the work I do today, actually. I love that. I love that. I have a great grandmother story as well. I I, uh, hear you on that. So Angie, what gets you most excited these days? 
Oh my gosh. Oh, this one's a hard one because there's just so much. But I really think at the end of the day, we're starting to see um, senior living as the place of most potential for transformation, right? And I think we're starting, it's really exciting to me that this spotlight is on this industry and we are just in a place where there is such large demand for creating communities that are so rich and vibrant with strength purpose and belonging and really that excites me because i want people to experience those types of communities everywhere um and so you know i think i think that's probably it just just having this opportunity to be in this space right now to work in this transformation period and and you know see what's happening it's just it's a beautiful thing well i uh, thank you for everything that you're doing for all the people in these communities whether it's forklifts or triathlons <laughs> <laughs> All of those things, Nancy. We we like the forklifts. We like the triathlons. We also, in the summer, we pump gallons of water. I mean, we do it all here. <laughs> well, hence the name Life Spark, right? Anything That's from Bill right. Thomas is going to be next generation. <laughs> so thank you again. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Nancy. You've been listening to the Glowing Older Podcast. <laughs>